return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Just stand up for a minute. Did you bring your Bible? Say it with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. A few weeks ago, I shared some in the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and then, of course, we have Memorial Day, and then we have kids, uh, the kids' night out and focusing on the kids' ministry, and next week's Father's Day. But I wanted to just say again something about the Holy Spirit today, all right? Uh, uh, there are no limits in God, Amen. And so I just want to teach you a little bit from the Bible today. Uh, When we started this, you know, we started because uh, toward uh, the end of May and the 23rd was Pentecost Sunday, which denominations celebrate. And they they celebrate all kinds of things, of course, Advent, you know, uh, prior to Christmas and Christmas and Lent and Palm Sunday and Easter and all the different things and then Pentecost Sunday. The, The thing about the church world is most of the church world celebrates stuff just like it's history but doesn't apply any of it. I'm so glad like Easter, I live every day because Jesus is alive. You know, I'm excited that he's alive. He's risen from the grave. He lives in me. And, and so we have every reason to be excited. Uh, Pentecost Sunday is one of those things. I can remember growing up in my denomination, you'd hear about it, you know, and everything. Tongues of fire, you know, had no idea what it meant. And no one really cared. Just kind of, it was something you celebrated that the Holy Spirit was sent. But it is something that's real. Acts chapter 1, you know, that when the day of Pentecost came, and they were celebrating, Pentecost is a festival, actually, a festival from the Old Testament into the New, but celebrating harvest. But, but they were there praying. And, you know, they didn't, Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father, he sent back the Holy Spirit. He baptized his people, immersed them with the Holy Spirit, so that they could take the gospel to the world. Amen. Uh, If you're joining us today on Facebook Live or YouTube or the church website, we welcome you from around the world. And this Holy Spirit that we're talking about is poured out on you, too. It's poured out in every place in this world. God is everywhere. Jesus is everywhere. He's working everywhere. He's saving people everywhere. If you don't know Jesus, he's as close as the mention of his name. You might even be in some other religion, but I just want to encourage you to say Jesus. Just to speak that name of Jesus and ask him to reveal himself to you, and he will. He will give you revelation, an epiphany, like, oh, he's the son of God. He'll show you who he is. 
And, and for many of you, we prayed for you by name. You're in your countries and so forth, churches. And we thank God he's with you. He's blessing you. So the Holy Spirit was poured out on the world. And, and uh, a mighty rushing wind came. It filled the house and it filled them where they were sitting. There appeared cloven tongues of fire. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So something, you know, sometimes I just want to say God can do things quickly. So you might think things haven't changed. And, and of course, look at, look at the Bible. It had been 400 years. Then Christ comes and then the Holy Spirit. But suddenly, just like that, God can change your situation. Amen. Suddenly, the New Testament church was birthed in a very dramatic, powerful way. Suddenly. So we have to always think, let's not think next year, some other time. Let's think today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So you always want to position your faith in the now, right now. Say now. now. So it's today. You want to believe today for whatever you're believing for. But you want to put your faith in the present, amen, in Christ, but that he's doing it now. So, so the fire came. Fire brings cleansing, brings separation, brings, brings holiness and so forth. And, and they were filled and they spoke a heavenly language. It was powerful. It was emotional. It was eternal. It, uh, it wasn't like a service that you'd think, oh, it was very nice and organized. There was no plan to this other than God was going to drop in the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, we have to be open to how the Holy Spirit might want to work in us. Amen? Emotional. I, I would guess that people were crying. People were laughing. People were very excited. People thought they were drunk. Uh, they, they might have looked out of control. And yet I also want you to understand that when we pray in the Spirit and move in the Spirit, you always have control. You always have your choice and will. God doesn't override us. He just wants to work in us. And later on in Acts chapter 2, in verse 16 and 17, it said, In the last days I'll pour out my Spirit. The last days began then. So you can hear people talk today like uh, the Lord said it's the last days. And folks, there's a lot of things if we just read our Bible, it makes it pretty simple, right? So, so uh, uh, in the last days, which began on the day of Pentecost, right there, the last days, it's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. So the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to all believers. And God wants to touch everybody on this planet because He paid the price for their sins for everybody on the planet. Amen? So He wants people to be saved. The Bible says He wants all to be saved, not willing that any should perish. So His will... You could look at a terrorist. His will is that that terrorist gets saved. Or a person in any other religion that they get saved. Come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. So the last days began there. And Romans says, of course, uh, certainly our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So, uh, you know, when we got finishing college and so forth, we debated whether we should get married or not. Well, I'm glad we did because Jesus didn't come back yet. And now it's been a lot of years since then. But the fact is, we don't know when he's coming, but it is the last days. And sooner than we think. So you always want to be ready. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, be ready. Be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, in Mark 16, then, believers, believers receive the power of God, and they're baptized in the Spirit, and believers speak in tongues. This isn't a weird thing. This is a New Testament thing. So there's a lot, of, a lot of churches that just take pages of the Bible, basically, tear them out, and just say, well, we don't believe that. 
And, and they can do that. That's up to them, but it's not, it's not the will of God. God's will is his word. Amen. So if you want to know the will of God, look at the New Testament, because that's the covenant we are in. Amen. Look at the New Testament. We are under that covenant it is a new covenant. The old was an old covenant. So we're under this new covenant. And so that's what you want to look at. And if you see Jesus, you'll see the father. That's what he said. If you see how good he is, you'll see how good the father is. So he's not doing bad things today. He's only doing good things today. Hallelujah. So we're under this new covenant. And in this new covenant, believers get saturated in the Holy Spirit. And they actually speak with new tongues. Glossolalia, a new heavenly language where they're praying in the spirit to the father. And God anoints people in great, great ways for his glory. Some of that was mentioned, I think, even today in Sunday school. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. So, so sometimes people think, oh, this ended with Jesus or this ended here. No, no, it's still going on today. This hasn't, none of this has stopped. Amen. But churches like to control things. Take your Bible. This is, this is not on the screen there, but take your Bible. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 14 a second. All right. So everybody can do this. You've brought your Bible. You just held it up. Open to 1 Corinthians 14. It's a book in the New Testament. So let's look at the last quarter part of the Bible and you'll find it. The more you're in your Bible, the more you're going to be familiar with it. When we travel, if we travel overseas, there's, there's a couple of very, very important things. One is your passport. The second is, your, is my Bible. I don't want to lose my Bible. So this is very, very valuable uh, just, just to have it. Now, did you find 1 Corinthians 14 if you did say amen? amen. Okay. Let's go look at verse 26. Verse 26 then. It says, when you, when you come together, someone has, people have a psalm, some people have a doctrine, people have a tongue, people have a revelation, an interpretation. Then notice that last line, let all things be done unto edifying. So notice that it says, let it be done. So what we want as we grow in Christ more and more, we want to allow the Holy Spirit to use us. Not less and less, but more and more. We don't want to be content that where we're at, that I'm, well, I'm just saved or I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. This should be an ongoing thing. So in this context, it says someone may, may share a psalm or a teaching or a tongue. Notice a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. But notice it says, let all things be done. You see that? Okay, drop down a few verses. Let's go down to verse, verse 39. It says, covet to prophesy. Notice what it says in verse 39. Forbid not to speak with tongues. So we have whole groups of people that are Christians that say, no, no, we don't, we're not going to have this. And they forbid it. And they're going to actually totally against the Bible. If you just read the Bible, it says, don't forbid not to speak with tongues. In other words, allow that. Encourage people to pray in the spirit. Now, why, why should we encourage people to get closer to the Holy Spirit, because we need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God. We need the anointing to walk above sin. We need His power to minister to other people. You know, much, much of the body of Christ uh, claims, of course, they're claiming Christ, claiming Christianity, will agree with the Great Commission, but much of the body of Christ seldom witnesses Seldom tell somebody else about Jesus on purpose. I'm saying seldom go out and say, I want you to know Jesus loves you. Seldom says anything. They're kind of like secret service Christians. You know, you find them and 
Or someone says they love the Lord. Oh, good, I do too. And they got a little badge. I do too. You know, and I, we're not going to tell anybody. The thing is, you know, it would be like this. If, if, if we were under a police state and they arrested you, is there enough evidence to convict you as a Christian? Is there enough evidence that they could convict you? Is, is there anything in your life? What stands out that someone says, oh, they're a Christian? Or would it just be, I don't know what they do. Oh, I think they go to church. We're not talking about church. We're talking about a relationship. So there should be there should be conviction within us. And that comes then with the Holy Spirit working in us. The more we release the Holy Spirit, the bolder we become. Otherwise, otherwise what? I take my past with me and I'm kind of timid, you know. I'm more self-conscious than I am God-conscious. So I want to be aware of who I'm serving, who saved me, who lives in me. That brings a boldness out of me. Amen. Amen. So it says, forbid not to speak with tongues. Verse 40 then of 1 Corinthians 14 says, let all things be done. Okay? Let it be done. So so in the natural, I grew up where everything, if anything was going to be done, it was printed on paper. They called it the bulletin. We have a little news thing here. But it was printed there, and if it wasn't on there, it wasn't going to happen. There was going to be nothing out of line. So they focused so much on order that nothing got done. Notice what it says. First it says, let all things be done. Then it says, decently and in order. So you can't steer a parked car. So if if the car is parked and everything's rigid, nothing's going to happen. But at least if people can say, well, we might get some flesh in there. Okay, but maybe we'll get the Holy Spirit moving. Amen. See, we can't worry so much about making a mistake that we never do anything. Amen? See, sometimes people think, well, I'm not going to pray for someone for healing. Maybe they won't be healed, but maybe they will be. If someone said, if someone said, well, only 10% of the people get healed, then I'm thinking, boy, the more I can pray, 10, every 10, boom, every 20, boom. Then I want to get to more people. To see that happen. And of course, obviously, that Jesus was around. Everybody got healed. Everybody got set free. New Testament. So again, these are, these are things to see. We don't forbid speaking in tongues. And we do allow things to happen because this is what God wants. Amen? All right. Now, let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So the thing in the Bible is God doesn't actually think like you think. Right. It's not was not on our terms or our, our, our the way we like it to be. But first Corinthians one, verse 21, God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. So the world, it says the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. And of course, here's the big disconnect. We have churches that have thrown out the Holy Spirit. So everything they're learning is just carnal language. All right, just carnal things. And so they're trying to understand their God with their natural mind, and we're never going to do that. The truth is, you know, God is so big and so good, we'll never understand him. That isn't the point to understand him. The point is to follow him, because he is God. 
So it says, through wisdom, the world didn't know him. It pleased God through the foolishness of preaching, the message preached, to save people. So, so it's like people listen and think, how, how, can they, how can their life change? When my life changed, my parents thought I was crazy. They thought I was a nut because they thought, well, you've always been a Christian. And I thought, no, I wasn't always a Christian. I was religious, but not right. Now I, I get saved and I come into this relationship. In their mind, it made no sense. But in Christ, it was like the most wonderful thing. Because of what he does in our lives. Let's go down a few verses in chapter 1, verse 25 and 26. So he says, the foolishness of God, what seems to be foolish, is much wiser than how people are. So you can take people at the university and they've got all this intellectual knowledge and so forth. And really, in, in, in the realm of, of eternity, you know, they're quite foolish. They're, they're the ones foolish. They would think faith is foolish. It's like I had a teacher who taught uh, uh, on, on creation, not creation, but evolution, and he said to me one time, this was my college advisor, and I got saved, and they invited me later to teach in the biology department at the university. I declined that, and, he, and they just thought I, I, they couldn't understand me. And he said, I can't understand. You've learned so much in all the evolution. Why would you believe faith like out here in faith? And I said, you know, I understand that. And I said, this is what I can't understand. You take a bone, a pig bone out of Kansas and some bone out over here, and you throw two, two giant conclusions that somehow this is how it evolved. I said, that's, you got more faith than I do. I can't believe in that stuff. That's just, that's craziness. But the thing of Jesus Christ is not craziness. When he can change a life and turn a life around, that's miraculous. Only God can do that. Only God can bring forgiveness. See, so, so someone may look the same on the outside yet, but on the inside comes forgiveness and grace. So, so the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see your calling, brother, not many wise, according to the flesh. So it's not based on ed- education. When they looked at James and John and Acts, they, they perceived that they were unlearned men. So they didn't have a lot of degrees. Even today... Churches place so much emphasis on, you got to go to Bible school. I'll just be honest with you. Most people come out of Bible school, they're in debt to their eyeballs, and they can't afford to work for any church because no church can pay them what they need to just pay off their school loans. And then they've got so much head knowledge, they don't, they don't know which, which way is up. I saw somebody the other day, just in this town, I saw somebody the other day, Bible school and so forth, and I met him and so forth. Yeah, I'm going to Bible school. And I'm talking, wow, person needs some fire. They're dead already. Life is in the Holy Spirit. Life is in the Holy Spirit. There's excitement in the Holy Spirit. People think like, you know, well, we, we don't want things to be ex- too excited. And I always think, then by all means, do not go to that game at SDSU. I better not see you there at that basketball game where they're shouting and excited and people got paint in their face. Don't show your face there. And say you don't like excitement. Isn't that right? When I got saved, when I got saved, and I played as an athlete here at the university. I went to my little place uh, in town here and so forth where I had gone at that time. And I'd see some of the same people. They'd be at that game screaming and shouting and so forth. Some of the same people sitting in the church like this. Could barely sing a hymn. And then people say, well, you know, we're not very emotional. I'm saying, you're a big fat liar. You're very emotional. You're just choosing not to give God any glory. 
You're just choosing to withhold from God your love. That's what you're doing. You're choosing that way. God gave us emotions. Do you understand that? He gave you emotions. He gave you love. He gave you joy. He gave you laughter. He gave you all these things that are actually in the Bible. And the attempt is that they should come out in our lives. I always say, don't look like you've been baptized in pickle juice. You should look that way. You should be a happy person. You should go to your job happy. You should work happy. You should come home happy. You should be a happy mom or happy dad. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. And the Holy Spirit anoints us then to live this way. This isn't a dream. This is reality. But you have to release God to do that. Amen. So he's not calling the wise. He's not calling the mighty. He's not calling the noble and all the things like that. Verse 27 then, he just says this. God has chosen foolish things to put to shame to wise. He chose weak things to put to shame things that are mighty. He chose base things, low things, things that are despised. God chose that. Things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Bring to nothing things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. So there's things sometimes, point of reference today with the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues, that sometimes people think, well, I don't understand that. Boy, that seems kind of crazy. Well, that seems kind of foolish. And I'd say, well, yeah, and that just seems kind of like God would do. That's just how the Lord would do it. That's just how the Lord does things. So that people in their natural minds aren't going to figure God out. And the reason is, is that no flesh... No pride is going to be in his presence. Amen? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 then, verse 1. He wants us then to desire the Holy Spirit. Say desire. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. It's a word, desire it. Now, a lot of of times people take the attitude, well, if he wants me to have it, it'll, it'll happen. Well, that's the wrong attitude. Of course, he wants you to have it. You have to go after it. You have, it's like anything in life. You can tell someone they can have a great body as far as being an athlete or something, but that's not going to make them a great athlete unless they go after it. Let's say desire it. You, every God get, you know God gave you a great mind. Just say thank you. Everybody's got a great mind. People sometimes act like, well, I'm just not very smart. I beg to differ. I think you're very smart. I think God blesses people. Now, maybe your, maybe your gifting isn't in a certain area or not, but you're very talented. He's blessed you. And you have to accept that. You have to say, wait a minute. Now, I, I, God has given me a great mind. Now, what are, what are my inclinations? What, what do I work with? Amen? I mean, our youngest grandson right now, uh, uh, he gave him a toy or uh, like a car or something. He's like into cars. Probably a great mechanic. Engineer, whatever. See, God gifts us. You're anointed. You're blessed. He, he's done more for you than for any of us ever realize what he's done. Amen. So, so you have to desire the things of the Holy Spirit. You have to seek the work of the Holy Spirit. Many years ago in Los Angeles, an African-American gentleman came named William Seymour. And, and starting about 1906, they just started praying and just started believing God. And then they rented a house on Azusa Street. Because uh, their one prayer meeting got too big. But the Holy Spirit fell there in a very profound way. And they just had a hunger for the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you hunger for? 
What do you hunger for? Well, William Seymour was hungering for the things of God. And as he hungered, he saw it. And not just him, but this was a movement that was not just Southern California, but then spread across the United States and influenced the world in our day. And yet God, as, even as I was praying, God said, Dave, if you'll seek, seek me, you'll see more. Use the same word, see more. You'll see more. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants you to see more. You have to hunger. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, most everybody here today, or people listening as well, will go out after this service at some point, and you're going to get something to eat, because you'll get hungry. Maybe some of you are thinking about, where are we going to go today? What are we going to eat? And I don't want to plant thoughts in your mind. But at any rate, you're, you'll be hungry. So what do you do when you feel hungry? Your stomach growls or whatever. What do you feel? What do you do? You go and feed yourself, right? You feed, and what do you feed yourself? You feed something that you desire. All right? So, so uh, uh, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I like a lot of things. But certain days you'll desire them. You'll desire food to feed your body. But the things of the spirit, when you're born again, your spirit man is born again. So you have to feed your spirit man. A part of that is the word of God. And part of that also is desiring the Holy Spirit. You have to desire the things of God. What do you do when you eat? You sit down. Most likely you sit down and you, and you eat. You, you have a moment where you just do that. The same with the Holy Spirit. You sit down and you have time with the Holy Spirit. If you don't give time to the Holy Spirit, you're not going to grow. You're not going to be strong. You have head knowledge. Oh, we're spirit-filled Christians. You know, people have head knowledge, but very little actions to back it up. God is really concerned about character, right? Character comes before gifts. So if we desire, if we get in this place with, with where he's at, we grow in the things of God. Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So, so if you're around smells, you smell something, you think, oh, it's good, and it makes you hungry, you should desire more. So most of us, most of you anyway, people listening, you, you spend time with the Lord, say in a group setting like this, maybe once a week. Not many people come to prayer, not many people come to Sunday nights, not many people come to Wednesday nights, not many come to Thursdays and so forth. Most people come once a week. Okay, they come in, oh, that was really great. And then the rest of the week, their spirit man's emaciated. And so then people wonder, you know, boy, oh, things aren't going good. Boy, we're kind of having arguments in the home and this and that's happening and so forth. Because they're, they're going on fumes. My strength only comes from the Lord. So if I'm not drawing from the Lord, I'm not going to have any strength to live the life. If the world gets you down, and this, think about this. How many people are happy with their job? Most aren't. Most people aren't. They, they work their jobs, they're not happy and so forth. They come home grumbling and stuff. If the world gets you down in its current place, what will happen if there's really persecution? It's like that. If this is if this is your tough tough test right now, just working and living life. What's it going to be like if someone really hated you because you were a Christian? What would you do then? So the Holy Spirit empowers us to live in victory on a daily basis. 
I am totally serious when I'm talking about smiling, laughing, being joyful. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day Saturday. It's a lifestyle. What does this lifestyle do? It shows people, what, what are you on? What are you taking that makes you feel this way? And it's not a pill, and it's not a drug, and it's not something you smoke. But it's your faith in the one who, who saved your soul. And it comes by the Holy Spirit. So when we do that, what happens? You will see more in your life. Here's the question. Are you happy with where you're at? If you're happy and condemned, well, I'm, I'm just happy where I'm at. Then you put your ceiling there. And you're not going any farther. That's just it. Most denominations are that way. Hey, we went to church today. Heard a good message. Cool band. Woo! Cool band. And they're happy with that. They're not going any farther. Comes to praying for the sick. Out. Praying in tongues. Out. Anointing of God to witness. Out. And then people think, think, why is the United States the way it is today? People, this government's got to change. This government ought to change. And I think this church ought to change. And these Christians ought to change. And people should be lights for Jesus. The reason the world gets darker and darker is the church does less and less. It's easy to put, they ought to do something. They ought to do something. I think when was the last time, talking to Christians, when was the last time you spent an hour with the Lord? When was the last time you were on your knees? When was the last time you read ten chapters? When is the last time you took notes and just listened to his voice to you, prophetic words? When is the last time you did that? Uh, 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 I think I gotta go eat. I gotta go get a sandwich. The church of Jesus Christ is the light of the world. If the light is hid, then nobody sees the light. Now let me just say this. This here is a gathering. Of believers or wherever you're at. But this light has to go out there. If the light that we have here is not seen out there, there is no effect. If all the world hears is the things of the devil and sees nothing else, then that's what you're going to have. It's not, it's not rocket science. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. I mean, I mean, from the day we got saved in college, but the day, day and so forth, people they just spread of what was happening at SDSU. It spread into the classroom. It spread into teachers making snipes, making remarks, and people looking at me. That's okay. I'd rather be burning than doing something. Amen? And people began getting touched, more touched, touched, touched by the Lord because there was light out there. You know, the Word is the Word. So the danger is knowing a lot of the Bible or knowing parts of the Bible, but doing nothing with it. So the Holy Spirit is this unlimited force. The Holy Spirit is God. 
The Holy Spirit is the creator of the universe. God spoke the word and the world's refrain. The Holy Spirit is, is this in us. John chapter three, John the Baptist had said he must increase. I must decrease. Good revelation for John. All right. But verse 33 and 34 says this. Whoever receives his testimony has set his seal of approval to this. God is true. He knows God cannot lie. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, proclaiming the Father's own message. For God gives the gift of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, without measure, generously and and boundlessly. So God gives the gift of the Holy Spirit without measure. So in other words, John is just saying there is no limits. God gives the Holy Spirit without measure. You can't measure it. It's like, look, it's off the chart. There's no limits to what you and I can do in Christ. There are no limits in, in God. Now, man may say, you can't do this, you can't do this. Okay, that's them. But in God's realm, listening to him, there are no limits without measure. Generously, boundlessly. Chronicles saying his eyes go to and fro, doing what? Just looking for someone. <laughs> looking, there's one right there. They're looking for someone to show himself strong. Looking for someone to say, I'm going to pour my spirit through them. Wow. It's not like, oh, there's so many. There's so many. No, he's looking. There's one. There's one. There's. See, there's no limit. Amen. That's New Testament. That's New Testament. That's how that's how John John says it all, you know. But listen now, people talk about I've been we've been to conferences and people talk about, you know, there's a double portion here. If you want you want God, come on, there's a double portion anointing and everything. Oh, oh, there's a double portion anointing. It's all Old Testament. Double portion? Double? This said this said unlimited. This says unlimited. But see, people locked into the Old Testament. Double portion. We better, we better get up there. Right? Double portion comes from 2 Kings 2.9. 2 Kings 2.9. I think that's where it is. So, so Elijah was asking Elijah, what do you want? And Elijah said, before I'm taken away, and Elijah said, give me a double portion of your spirit. A double portion of your spirit to be upon me. That's be like, wow. Old Testament. That's like someone the other day, there was, a, there was a, of course, we get all kinds of things, you know. Prophetic word, the spirit of Elijah is being loosed. Old Testament. But Christians are like, whoa, spirit of Elijah is being loosed. Old Testament, folks. Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was on one guy who did a few things. We have the New Testament. It's unlimited. You don't have to set for a double portion. You can have a triple portion. You can have a hundred portion. You can have any portion. The point is, any as much as you want. As much as you want. And that's a key thing there. How much do you desire? It's so easy. We put God in a box and, you know, tidy little thing, you know, and I'm really serving the Lord and we can kind of like, you're doing a good job and... And then I read the scripture and I think, wait a minute. Oh man, I'm just scratching the surface. I'm talking about me personally. I'm just scratching the surface. We've seen all kinds of things happen. We've seen healings and miracles and demonized people set free and all kinds of stuff. And yet we're just scratching the surface. 
I read the New Testament. I see what the Holy Spirit did through Jesus Christ, who was a man. Who was a man operating in faith with the Spirit of God. And you are men and women operating with faith with the Spirit of God. And there are no limits. Say no limits. There's no limits at all. We have better promises today. Isn't that right? So I'm not stuck in the Old Testament. I'm not, you know, when these altar calls come, double portions, like, oh, okay, hallelujah. You know, I'm sitting in my seat. I'm not jumping, shouting, running to the front. Why? I'm believing for more than that. Amen. I'm believing for more than that. People say, there's an anointing on me. and I want to give this anointing to whoever wants it. I don't want your anointing. I want the anointing of Jesus Christ. All right? I'm not trying to be egotistical, proud, or anything else. I'm just trying to be New Testament realistic. I want the anointing of Jesus Christ. I want His life. I want that anointing. Amen? We run after things because we see something and we kind of get hungry and pretty soon we're kind of just eating anything. The bones and the sticks and everything else. And it's like, oh, I guess that's not real food. Stay at the New Testament. Amen? So we get the Holy Spirit in an unmeasured, an unmeasured thing. Hallelujah. John 17. So Jesus is praying. And, and this is what Mama Perry said years ago. But John 17, where Jesus is praying there. So we have these good, great promises. But he says, I've given them glory and honor. Notice, I've given to them the glory and honor which you have given me. Stop. We think of Jesus the anointed Son of God, the glory of God. Hey, He gave it to you too. What did He give you? He gave you with what He got. Amen? Say, sometimes we think, you know, kids night out, we think, all oh, these kids, you know, kind of like they get, they get a little baby Holy Spirit. Or they get a junior Holy Spirit. No, same Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. You know, the 12-year-old, they're not going to give them a junior Holy Spirit and they can kind of do a few things. No, it's the same Holy Spirit. There's no limit whether you're 10, 12, 20, 90. It doesn't matter. It is the same Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said, I've given them the glory which you gave to me. I gave them the glory. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have glory. See, we, we live life. We live life. Oh, you know, I don't feel so good today. I guess I'll go to work until I got to go to work. We live life like we're always empty. He's given you glory. What if, what if, what if, you know, you're in your car and Jesus is next to you? Do you remember what I gave you? Huh? What? What did you give me? Glory. I gave you power. I gave you might. You can celebrate. Huh? Right, right now? It's Monday morning. Yeah, right now. Right now. But you, you kind of know about my job? Yeah, I know all about your job. And you can celebrate right now. You have every reason to be happy. Every reason to celebrate. And if you got a job, thank God. Amen? You get a paycheck. Hallelujah. So the glory, the glory He gave to us. I've given them glory. They may be one as we're one. What does that mean? Jesus and the Father. Well, it was Jesus and the Father. Of course, Father, I thank you that you heard me. It's Jesus and the Father. No, no. It's Jesus in you now. Amen? amen. Four, five, six amens. A few of you think about it now. Jesus in you. Amen. 
I'm, I'm in them, you're in me. They may be perfected, completed in one. That the, what's the purpose? That the world may know without any doubt that you sent me, that Jesus Christ is Lord. <laughs> you've loved them just as you've loved me. Folks, the, the, the whole po- what's the whole point of the Holy Spirit even? It's not about denominations and movements. It's, it's about this relationship to reach the world. That's why we think about the Holy Spirit. That's why I think, oh, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need your help. John 16, let's, let's, or John 16, verse 7, said he'd send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go away. If I don't go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby will not come. But if I go, I'll send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. So Jesus died on the cross, buried in the grave, rose again after three days, ascended into heaven, sent back the Holy Spirit, which started on the day of Pentecost, the last days. He sent it back for us so that we could be in close fellowship by the Holy Spirit with him. Now. We talk about bridegroom and the bride. Oh, we're the, he's, he's the bridegroom coming. We're the bride. Like, does the bride, does the quote bride, does the church want to spend time with the groom? That's a question I have when people can run around. They got time for everything else but spending time with the groom. We have a relationship, my wife and I. Hey, guess what? We spend time together. Novel idea. We're married. We spend time together. We talk. We listen. We begin to understand each other. Wow. Fun relationship. See, someone could say, I heard your wife say this and this. this." Well, that's a lie. My wife isn't that way. How do I know? I know her. I know her. I know her voice. We have a relationship. We have a close relationship. I know who she is. But see, Christians, Christians will hear all kinds of things. I mean, it can come from Christians. They just swallow everything. Well, the Lord did this and the Lord did that. We don't know why, but he wanted to kill that person, you know. And, and they just go, 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 swallow it down. But when you have the Holy Spirit, it's like, no, that's not true. The Spirit of truth, the truth, he's going to tell you the truth. So the helper, the counselor, the strengthener, he's going to come. And you're going to have this relationship it's going to be so good. The point is, what is the point? The point is to reach the world. The point is there are no limits. Say no limits. John 14. We've got a couple more verses here. John 14. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you, if you believe in me, now listen, this by the Holy Spirit, the works that I do, he will do also. Now, when I get to heaven, I don't have to do any works. When I get to heaven, there are no sick people. There are no demonized people. There are no problems. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no lack. But here and now, while we're on the ground, there are needs. And Jesus said, if you believe. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, amen, it's got to be the Holy Spirit, the works that I do. So we should just look in your New Testament. What did Jesus do? And then the simple answer is, you should do that too. We have a, a saying with Ray Phipps and so forth that says, doing what Jesus did. So what did Jesus do? 
That's what we're going to do. Amen? So Jesus said, these works you do, and greater works, and I think in number, because there should be more of us, right? So greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. When he went to the Father, he sent back the Holy Spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit enabling us. Not a double portion, but an unlimited portion. No limits. No limits. Turn to your neighbor again and say, no limits. So this is what we have in the Holy Spirit. He went to the Father. He sent it back. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Now notice the point here. What's the point? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What's the point? The point is to reach the world. The point is, is not so that you can be some spiritual elitist, you know, and boy, we're the people who got all the answers. Folks, nobody's got all the answers. We're all just growing. We're all learning. Hallelujah. But we can be the people to help the world. Amen. We can be the people to minister to the world. Now, the world is the world. We already know, yeah, that's on a bad path. But we can help some. It's like a kid's night out. There's some people here, maybe on a different path. But if we can help them, if we can have them experience the love of Jesus and be touched by God, what a blessing that is. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to open your mouth. Got to open your mouth. So the Holy Spirit, and with faith, we can do the works of Jesus. And we can affect our world. Now, Ephesians chapter 3, then, we're going to kind of come down here. But Ephesians chapter 3 says, Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. So where is Jesus? He's in our hearts. He's always close to you. Amen. So what happens when we th- something bad happens? Where's Jesus? Where's the Lord? Wait, right there. Right there. Jesus said to the believer, now he'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. I got saved in a nightclub. He was there too. All right. Not, not endorsing the nightclub, but he saved me in the nightclub. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so now Christ lives in us by faith, through faith. You're rooted and grounded in this love of Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. So, so when I don't feel anything, what I want to do? Well, you got to allow the Holy Spirit to move, right? Amen. See, see, most people in churches, denominations, they're going to pray. And say, okay, let's pray. It's quiet. There are no words. But something's happening up here, I'm sure, in their brain. Nothing. The worlds were framed by the Word of God. Amen. Words have power. Now again, people think, oh, it's kind of foolish to me. Might be to you, not to me. Because when you start praising God, when you, re- when you start releasing that praise by the Holy Spirit's help, you might just say, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to praise you, Lord. Something happens. Folks, I've experienced that. I've experienced that in hospitals and so forth. We've experienced it in our personal lives and so forth. Experienced with our daughter, critical care, people dying. I experienced praising God out loud. Out loud. Because He was our only hope. By His grace, something happened. Things were stirred. We lose our pride. No flesh will glory in His presence. It's not like everybody says, oh, I want to be just like them. People think, what do they have? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, He lives in us. He's in us. 
You know, you as close as the mention of his name. You know what I'm saying? Heaven, come down, do something. No, no, he's right there. The word of faith in your mouth that you speak. So next verse is in in Ephesians 3 there that says this. Know practically, that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ. Personal experience. How do I get personal experience? How does, how does an athlete, okay, an athlete trains and so forth like that, how does he get personal experience? Throw him in the game. Right? Get him in the game. I remember my first, my first personal experience in the varsity. As a quarterback, I was a freshman, and they were upset at the senior quarterback. He says, go up and get in there! Helmet's on, chin strap, and I'm going in. And I mean, we're, we're backed up to the, go- to the wrong goal line. We're huddling in the back of the end zone. And everybody's looking at me. This is my personal experience. What are you going to call? Better be good. Get us out of this hole. That's where I started. Personal experience. Christianity has to be experienced. All religion is kind of this head knowledge. Christianity is a relationship. Has to be experienced. Experienced. Lord, I love you. I praise you. You know, folks... You can be excited in your house. It's your house. It's your apartment. Whatever. Go to the innermost room if you're concerned about disturbing a neighbor. Hallelujah. No, I'm not crazy. I do have a sound mind. It's a biblical mind. It's a biblical mind. When I read the word, what happens? My mind gets renewed. Deb's had several messages on that that would help you. In your life. Through personal experience, the love of Christ, it surpasses knowledge. It's like, I can't even begin to explain it. It's so good. It's so wonderful. You can be filled up throughout your being with all the fullness of God. That's the Holy Ghost. You're just filled up. What happens when you're filled up? You've ever carried a a pitcher of water and, and it's full? And of course, you're just like this, you know, but what's splash, 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 splash. It's like it wants to splash out. It'd be nice if our lives would splash on others. Amen. Splash on others the love of Jesus. Splash on others like God loves you. Amen. And you think, well, that person's in sin. I know. That's why you want to splash on love. That's why, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to come, they're not going to come around. You're in sin. Like, oh boy, I already know that. I'm not talking to you. People are looking for love. So you're filled up throughout your being, the fullness of God. Had the richest experience of God's presence in your lives. Completely filled, flooded with God himself. And then, oh Lord, yes, thank you, Jesus. Now notice, he's able to carry out his purpose. Do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask, but we're speaking, right? Or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, according to his power that works within us. Holy Spirit, hallelujah. Amen. Say no limits. Infinitely beyond everything, super abundantly, more than we dare ask. This is the God, this is the God we serve. But the point thinking again is we're rooted and grounded in this love. So it's because you want to reach people. Amen. You want to help people. You want to care for people. You want to bless people. That's why any, any of the blessings of God are all tied to being a giver. Being a blesser, to bless somebody else, to reach out to 
somebody else. And in John 15, Jesus just said, this is how my father is glorified, that you bear a lot of fruit. So by the works, doing the works of Jesus glorifies the father in heaven through our lives. Your father's glorified by this. So that's why we desire that. Amen. You know, people, sometimes even people think like the rapture. Oh, we're going to get out of this place. We're going to get out of this place. Folks, why are we so concerned about getting out of here? Why don't we be an influence while we're here? Think about the people that are here that need Jesus, the people that need hope, the people that need help. Amen. As, as opposed to thinking, I want to escape all this. You know, of course, someday we'll go to heaven. But right now, it's important that we live the life. Right now, it's important that we lean in the Holy Spirit. And we ask him for his help. Amen. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I've experienced that. <laughs> I've done all my efforts and boom, nothing. But with him, we can do all things. With Christ in us, with the Holy Spirit. Just close your eyes for a minute. Realize this, that he's for you, not against you. He's on your side. Even those of you watching right now, God is with you. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is moving right now. This is a time for all of us to grow, to desire, to feast on the things of God, and to be used. The purpose of your life is to be used for His glory. And Father, I pray that over this group here and people watching or listening, I pray that, Lord, that you would use each of us for your glory. Lord, in our, in our homes, in our schools, wherever we live, Father, that you'd use us for your glory and honor. And Lord, that you'd use us, just, just the simple words that we might even say, but power would come forth. And Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. We say yes to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Jesus, for equipping us. I thank you for putting us on fire. I thank you for causing us to see more. See more than we've ever seen before. Father, I thank you that even as the days get closer to your return, that more and more would happen. Huge things would happen for your glory and honor. I thank you that people here, believers, signs follow them. That people are healed and set free and blessed and saved. I thank you for signs following them, Father, for your glory. That you're glorified. Your kingdom is built up. We give you praise for this, Father, today. We give you praise for this, Father, today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? Just stand with me for a second, all right? Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Turn to one person, either left or right. One Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.